thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's edition, tonight's edition of Bible News Radio. Glad that you're here, people. Yeah, it has. It's been a whole day. Does it stop? Oh, people. <laughs> so funny. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this out on Facebook. Just for some reason, it's disconnected from Twitter now. All right, there we go. It's a beautiful day. All right, people. Put a one if you can see us and hear us okay, just so we know it's working okay. Because for some reason, <laughs> our stuff stopped working the right way. Okay, for some reason, it's not showing me either. Okay, hold on a minute. I have to get back in there. There we go. Now I see ya. Okay, good. You can see us. Awesome. I'm ready to fly. And ooh, there's something about the way your sun shines on my face. It's a love so true I can never get enough of. Ooh, this feeling can't be wrong. I'm about to get my worship on. Take me away. It's a beautiful day. Here's my husband, people. Yeah, he is. I'm gonna open up God's Word, people. I'm gonna read something out of it for you. Yeah. A middle-aged woman wielding a Bible. Something to be scared of, people. Yeah, On this beautiful day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. How's your day been, people? Such a beautiful day. Okay, there we go. We'll stop that. And stop that. Oops, wait, hold on. And we'll go ahead. We'll remove this so I don't get high staticky noise in my ear. <laughs> you know what? This is still weird, everybody, doing this at night. It is so weird. But I hope you all have had a good day. I want to say hi to everybody, Mia and Beth and Sean, Tracy, 
is here. Mia, Melanie, I already said Mia, I said Mia twice. Yeah, I did. Didn't mean to, but I did. <laughs> and whoever else is coming in, thank you for coming in. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to approximately go 90 minutes. Last night we went two hours and it was like way too much for me. You're just waking up. Good morning. I know you're over in Australia, huh? The land down under. Hey. Down under. And there's John and Angie. All right. Awesome, you guys. Glad that you're here. Well, so I want to start the show tonight by reading reading for you from the Gospel of Luke and just kind of sharing a couple of thoughts there. And then we're going to go ahead and jump into the headline uh, story about Christian broadcaster uh, Joe Hagman. I don't know how many of you guys know who Joe Hagman was, um, but he was the son of Doug Hagman of the Hagman and Hagman Report, which is a very popular um, broadcast. You guys may or may not know. I don't know. Put a one or put a put a three if you know who who the Hagmans are, uh, just so I have an idea if you guys know who they are. And um, we'll talk about this story in a, in a couple of minutes. But first, I want to uh, open up. The Word of God, this is Bible News Radio, and read from Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38 through 42, people. Yeah, it is. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Okay, it says here, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And, at, and she had a sister called Mary, who, moreover, was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then he told her to, then he, then tell her to help me. <laughs> there we go. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really, only one, for Mary has chosen the good part, which which shall not be taken away from her. So, you know, you guys, we all know that, you know, this is a pretty popular passage of the Word of God. If you've been a believer for any length of time, then, you know, it's the classic story of Mary and Martha, you know. But here's something I got to point out. Martha was not bad, right? And nowhere does Jesus ever say Martha was bad. She, he just kind of says Mary's done the better thing, right? Mary is taking the time to sit at Jesus's feet, you know? And the reason this I, I brought this up tonight is because, um, you know, we live in a hard world, you guys. I mean, we're distracted by everything. I mean, our phones are on our in our hand practically, you know, it's part of a body part for a lot of us. Uh, but I was I was looking in the front of my Bible here earlier today, and and I happened to see K. Arthur's signature. K. Arthur is the co-founder of Precepts Ministries International, and she signed my Bible way back in 1997 when we went to Israel. Uh, 2007. 2007 when we went to Israel. I'm older. What can I say? I forget stuff. Anyway, and she wrote here. Uh, Stacy, dear, stay at his feet. And then she cited Luke chapter 10. I just remember thinking, you know, out of all the word of God that K. Arthur could write in my Bible, she wrote that verse, those two verses, well, the, the, the verses, 
about staying at God's feet, staying at Jesus's feet, doing what the Lord would want us to do, which is to dwell in with him and to meditate on his word both day and night, right? But let's just face it, it's easier to say than to do so much of the time because we're so distracted by, by the worldly things. And I, I heard, I saw somebody today, uh, they had sent out um, a post on Facebook and I think it was Facebook. And the, and the question was, do you follow Christ or do you, or do you follow the world? I, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I'm not going to answer it. I'm asking it. Uh, but, you know, it's really hard. If, if we're going to pick up our cross daily and follow the Lord, it's a hard, hard thing to do. And, you know, yours truly is not good at it. Just saying. Uh, you know, I do my best, but it's easier said than done. You know what I mean? And just like yesterday when we were talking, you know, it's easier to say read your Bible every day than to actually read it every day. It's, it's easy not to do, you know, it's a good thing. If it's a good thing, it's, you know, it's easy to, to, to eat ice cream. It's hard not to eat ice cream. <laughs> just, just saying, you know, the long-term effect of it, you know, definitely impacts us. So anyway, so I thought I'd open up with that, just kind of to encourage us all in God's word for at least a second there anyway. And, you know, as, as I'm trying to encourage myself in God's word and remember that, you know, this too shall pass the things that we're all dealing with right now, whatever it is that you are dealing with personally, you know, what, whatever trial you may be going through, it's, it's completely temporary compared to the eternal life that we all have in Christ that was given to us so freely when Jesus died on the cross for us because he loves us. He did something that nobody else in my life has ever done. I've never had another person die for me, just so you know. That's never happened. I've never had another holy person or a sinless person do anything on my behalf, honestly, you know. And I was thinking about it today. I was thinking, you know, what am I thankful for, you know? And... I, for one, am very thankful for the fact that my sin has been forgiven. And I think um, if, if you really weigh how great your actual sin is, the darkness of it, the blackness of it, the ugliness of it, and then realize how much Jesus loves us, that he died to take that away for you, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what my life would be like if I had to walk around with the burden of my own sin. And uh, in fact, today I was also on Facebook and a friend of mine from Pickleball, um, he, he posted about um, his five-year anniversary of being baptized into Christ. And I met this guy at Pickleball last year. And I found out that he came from, I believe it was India he came from. He came to America and he didn't have any faith. He he was raised in India. I thought maybe he was Buddhist or something, but I forgot what it was he told me, but he basically didn't have any belief, and he thought Christians were weirdos, like like Christians are bleh, until he went, he went somewhere, and he met one of the pastors in this area, and that guy introduced him to the person of Jesus Christ and how Jesus you know, can change his life. And it turned out that this guy uh, received Jesus, got baptized, and he said he was the blind man, you know. Uh, you guys know the story in the New Testament. You, Jesus healed the blind man, and, and then the blind man was telling everybody, hey, I once was blind, but now I can see, you know. 
And because they want to know, well, what was it? Meanwhile, the religious leaders are getting mad at Jesus for doing something they thought he shouldn't do. And yet the blind man was like, hey, don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you who did it. Right. And that's kind of where we're at in our culture today, you guys. As, as some of the stories we're going to look at tonight, we'll, 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 we'll see that, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you actually live your life according to the word of God. People are not going to like you. I mean, yeah, they're they're not going to like you because the Bible says that men hate men, men love the darkness rather than the light, and yet those in the darkness get mad at the light because they are so burdened by their own sin and they're blinded by their sin and they don't even get how blinded they really are, you know. But those of us who walk around free because we are free in Christ because He has forgiven us of our sin. We know what a great message it is to a lost and dying world that really needs to hear that message. So may we all declare without fear or hesitation the boldness that we have as believers in Christ. Do I get amen, people? Do I? Huh? Okay, good. All right. So let me, let's get into this, um, uh, this, this lead story about Joe Hagman. Uh, I, I heard, uh, I saw this the other day. Um, when I heard the, the sad news, I mean, I had listened to the Hagman and Hagman report you, way back when it was on blog talk radio, when it first launched and, um, you know, and I was Bible news radio was on, the, on blog talk radio for like seven years. And then the Hagmans came on and, and, you know, they're, they're different than us. I mean, they're like serious people. Yeah, they are in their, you know, they have the military and the, the background, the FBI background or whatever it is. He has the private investigator background and, and let's just be honest. They had a lot of money that they put behind putting their show out there. So it wasn't like their show was just picked up on blog talk radio and a whole bunch of people saw it. They put a lot of money behind it to get it out there. Um, and then they got connected with, uh, Steve, Steve Quayle and some of the other broadcasters that had a pretty big platform as well. So a lot of people know these guys. And today, uh, Peter Barry uh, Chowka wrote an article titled Foul Play Suspected in Death of 36-Year-Old New Media Personality Joe Hagman. Now, when I saw this headline, and that did not surprise me at all because a couple of days ago when Doug, uh, his dad, went on YouTube and shared that his son had died of a heroin overdose, uh, he heavily implied that there could be foul play. Um, but here's what the article says. It says here, the new media lost a prominent figure on June 29th when Joseph D. Hagman for eight years, the millennial co-host of the popular conservative internet TV and radio program, the Hagman report died suddenly at his home in Erie, Pennsylvania. The story of Joe Hagman's untimely passing at age 36 may be more complex than what was first reported by his father, the program's other co-host Douglas J. Hagman. In a 13-minute uh, long YouTube video announcement on July 1st, which has now been viewed over 250,000 times, Doug Hagman, 60, reported that his son had died of an accidental heroin overdose. However, in the past week, the elder Hagman, a multi-state licensed investigator for over three decades, has been working diligently to determine if other factors and individuals may have contributed to or were responsible for his son's death 
According to Doug Hagman, the trail leading to possible suspects is a hot one. As of this writing, which was today, well, it was published today, the inquiries are continuing. In a Facebook post on July 5th, Doug Hagman asserted that he has evidence that his son was the victim of foul play. And it says here, uh, here's the thing from Facebook, I and other professional homicide detectives have concluded that he, Joe, was murdered in the broadest of legal definitions of homicide. I do not make this allegation lightly. Accordingly, I have a retired FBI agent, two former CIA agents, one former special forces, and every competent investigator I know assisting me, and my team is growing. Um... The Hagman Report that brought Joe and Doug Hagman to prominence is a two-hour daily online show that covers current events from an independent conservative point of view. Its success is a testament of the viability of the decentralized internet-based alternative new media. The program began in 2011 as a lo-fi audio-only podcast on Blog Talk Radio, where super people get their start, people. (laughs) That was a joke. Anyway, in 2015, it moved to a live streaming high definition video platform on YouTube with more sophisticated production values that helped it to gain a larger domestic and international uh, audience. In 2018, the Hagmans added another new platform for their daily video stream and archiving at the HagmanReportLive.com, their own independent host that is protected from many potential censoring by YouTube, which happened in August 2018. And if you're new to the show, then let's just say uh, if you're new, just so you know, Christians and conservatives are being spiked and censured and, and removed from platforms like YouTube and Facebook and Pinterest and other places. Around five years ago, Hagman father and son wound down their, their work as investigators at the Northeast Intelligent Network, Intelligence at, Network and devoted their full time to the Hagman Report and in Doug Hagman's case, writing. The elder Hagman estimated recently that each episode of the, uh, ep- how do you say that? Eponymous. Eponymous program. That's why or I have a husband. Eponymous, whatever. <laughs> we don't know. It's just a big word, people. It's a, the program currently has between 75,000 and 125,000 accesses on the various video and audio platforms that carry it. In addition to YouTube, these include iTunes, TuneIn, Player, SoundCloud, Podbay, Podbean, and Spreaker. There are regular contributors, including this author, who comment on issues related to politics, popular culture, and faith. Notable guests in recent months have included Dinesh D'Souza, Diana West, Victor Davis Hansen, David Horowitz, Robert Epstein, Anthony Scaramucci, and a number of contributors to American Thinker. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they have. Well, we've had a lot of famous people on our show, too, just so you know. But not those people. (laughs) Anyway, listen to this. Since the news of Joe Hagman's death broke on July 1st, at least 10,000 viewers. And this is is why I bring this up, because it has to do with drug addiction. And I think this is very interesting. Um, 10,000 viewers and listeners to the program have posted written comments about Joe Hagman's passing on YouTube and social media. All of them, almost all of them, have mourned the loss of Joe Hagman as they cited his talent as a talk show host and his sincerity, humility, and infectious expressions of faith. Most commenters have also expressed sympathy for his reported descent into drug addiction, as first noted by uh, his father in a YouTube video last April 12th. A very small number has been critical of what they see as Joe's weakness in the face of temptation. By the way, 
Um, I watched um, Doug's reporting on that April 12th video um, where his, where Doug Hagman, you know, revealed to everybody that Joe had been having some personal problems and, um, and was addicted to heroin, which was a pretty big thing to admit, by the way. And then when he came out, so that was in April, so May, June, and here it is July, so, but he died on June 29th. So a couple months later, uh, you know, and this is something that <clears throat> a former guest, a friend of mine and I were talking about a couple days ago when the news broke was, was it a good thing that Doug Hagman came out and clearly stated what had happened to his son with drugs? I'd like to hear your opinion about this. Um, my thought on it is, yes, I think it's great that he came out and he actually said what it was. He was point blank about it. Um, and he didn't hide it because as you guys know, the gossip mongers in the world, well, well, this is really what happened, you know? And, but when you hear it from the father's mouth, you know, that this is what happened, then I mean, that's pretty much gold, right? And what a hard thing to admit. I mean, think about it. Here you got two prominent, very popular Christian broadcasters. Uh, and the dad has to publicly come before the world and say, look, my, my son overdosed on heroin. Of course, he thinks there's foul play in there. And there may be. But the point is that, you know, that's a hard drug. And um, drug addiction is rampant. And it's huge in the church. And very few people talk about it, by the way. I know a lot of you in my audience are uh, recovered uh, drug addicts of some form, <clears throat> alcohol or, or actual drugs, right? So you guys know, and I was telling somebody recently, I would much rather hang out with a former and recovered drug addict than I would a, a flamboyant, you know, bless your heart Christian, <laughs> you know? And the reason why is because if you're in recovery and you've overcome and even if you've fallen back, you know, and kind of had a couple of slip ups back and forth, I'll tell you the difference between a recovered drug addict and a born again Christian that walks around with all Christianese living a life of sin and not even being um, aware of it is that the recovered drug addict is honest, <laughs> honest, humble, and they're real as opposed to the fake Christians that are walking around with the bless your heart t-shirt and, you know, vote for Trump because he's awesome. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I am bagging on the church a little bit because, you know, we, we have TV shows like, I don't know, I don't watch much TV, but you know, something housewives, right. And glorify, you know, this drinking and, and all that. And it's like, well, actually GCB, you guys remember that show? Uh, good Christian, it stands for the female dog. It was GCB. That show right there kind of sort of mocked Christians, but actually really pointed to the truth of a lot of Christians that, you know, you have your closet drug addicts and alcoholics and all of that in the church, but, and nobody says anything about it because they don't know about it. But, you know, maybe somebody gets addicted to Oxycontin, right? Or maybe it starts out like you're on pain pillars killers rather <laughs> pain killers and then next thing you know you're addicted to that now you're embarrassed because you don't know how to tell somebody because of the judgment that somebody might cause you as a result of that as opposed to people who know what it's like 
to go through the 12 steps. And, you know, of course, the controversy was Bill Wilson really a believer? I mean, who gives a crap, you know, if he was a believer or not? The point is, is that the the 12 steps are good guidelines to help people actually recover. So anyway, back to the article. Well, can I just throw something in there? Yes, you can. Um, Co-host of mine. Poof. There he is. Here am I. There you Send are. Send Stacy. You know, you talk about that, you know, about rather hanging out with a drug addict than, you know, than the, you know, Christianese uh, mm-hmm. speaker. And I was thinking Oswald Chambers talks about receiving oneself from the flames of sorrow and that, you know, that person who has done that, been through a rough time, right. uh, that you have a, and you can trust that person, basically. Yeah. Uh Versus the person who hasn't been through a hardship. And which made me also think of Luke 22. When uh, Peter says to the Lord that, oh, all these may you know, forsake you, but I'll never deny you all good death. He's like, really, Peter? You know, before the cock crows and twice, you will divide me three times. But he says, you know, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you have returned, or you know, when you've returned about, or come about, basically when you've repented, come back and strengthen your brethren. Um, the Lord knew that He was going to follow. I pray that your faith wouldn't fail. And right. you know, when you have returned, when you have, the idea is, you know, when you have turned back, uh, you knew it was going to do some falling away. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brethren. And you know, He ended up being the leader of the early church. But yeah. he went through that process of, you know, where his denial and, you know, his, his um, I don't want to say exile, but just sort of uh, kind of distancing from fellowship to the point where he said, I'm going fishing, you know, <laughs> for forget this, forget this apostle stuff. I'm going back to what I knew. Right, you know, the old familiar thing, and it, it didn't catch anything because <laughs> he wasn't supposed to do that. Because you know the the uh, callings of the Lord are irrevocable. So, right. but anyway, back back to you. True. By the way, I should say hi to some people that came in. Hey, everybody coming in, and that's there. If I don't give you an actual shout out, it's not because I'm I hate you or anything. I'm just got to scroll back up through here. Just let me read a couple comments. So, um, I'm scrolling back here. So Beth says, I think it was very good. At least he got to tell a story himself. I actually agree. Um, Brother Anthony said, my son is addicted and needs a miracle. Well, we will keep him in prayer for you. Everybody pray for Brother Anthony's son because that's important. You know, Annie is doing laundry. Hey, Annie, don't forget your fabric softener, girlfriend. Just saying. Uh, Much of it starts with prescription, which Sean says, um, of course, Beth says, of course, we don't know what Christians wearing a, a Jesus t-shirt have dealt with in their lives. Beth, you're right. And by the way, everybody, Beth is in Australia. How cool is that? What time is it there? Just curious. Anyway, and it's Sunday. It's tomorrow. Okay. Um, does the Israel gears? Okay. Hi. I don't, did I say that right? Okay. Anyway, um, let's see here. Hi, Christians. Hello, Jean, Jeannie, rather. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll pray for your son. Okay, good. All right, everybody. Hi, Natasha. Thank you for the hearts. By the way, thank you for the hearts, people. I just heard, you know, Pastor Tommy was telling me that she uh, she actually 
has enough super hearts to get money. That'd be awesome if we did too. <laughs> we, we got quite a ways to go. But anyway, that was just an aside. All right, let me let me finish um, reading this article because the author gets into the, the issue of addiction. So he goes on to say, uh, the disagreement over how to regard Joe Hagman's life and death as minor as it is, considering the huge number of positive comments, mirrors a larger debate going on in the country. In 2017, over 70,000 Americans died from opiate um, overdoses, 15,482 of them from heroin overdoses, and the remainder from prescription drugs. Meanwhile, the subject of deaths arising from drug abuse and addiction is increasing in importance as a national political issue. Can you guys hear my cat? Probably not. Hey. I'm doing a show, mister. You can't be talking to me during the show. Come here. Like... <laughs> Please stand by. Hold on a second. The cat wants me, so we'll just hold the cat for a minute. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Do you want to say hi to everybody? Say hi. Say hi. Yeah, you're inter you're interrupting our show, just so you know. But whatever. Cats first, right? Yeah, you are. It's a cat. You're such a good cat, too, aren't you? This is Gideon, named after the Gideons International. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a stray. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Sorry, people. It's the hazard of broadcasting from your house. <laughs> Okay, anyway, okay, hey, you stay here, okay? Don't say anything, because I'm trying to talk about drugs. All right, so. <laughs> yes, I am a cat mother first, people. All right, anyway, it goes on to say, um, <laughs> meanwhile, the subject of deaths arising from drug abuse and addiction is increasing in importance as a national political issue. Some Americans believe that people who succumb to addiction are totally responsible for their own downfall and deserve little sympathy, while the medical community and many high-profile relatives of victims of overdose, including prominent TV talk host Eric Bowling, are increasingly positing that the abuse of addictive drugs is an illness, a disease, or a response to socioeconomic factors. These observers and some politicians believe that more attention, resources, and options for recovery should be provided to chronic drug users. Although I never met Joe Hagman in person, I worked closely with him since 2017 in my role as a regular contributor to the Hagman Report. Um, anyway, I don't need to read the rest of this. But anyway, the point is that this untimely death, unfortunately, does raise a serious issue in the church. And, you know, I have to be honest and say that I am so happy that the, most of the people that commented on Doug Pat Hagman's thing were polite, you know? And, you know, is it a uh, disease? Uh, you know, is drug addiction a disease? Well, I mean, at the very least, it's a chemical dependency. Um, just like a lot of the foods that we eat, we're addicted to these different foods because of the chemicals and the additives and the stuff that's in them that create, you know the desire for us to eat them sugar sugar you guys is a massive thing that we're all addicted to most of us let's just be honest about it so but here's the thing you know what look um prayer for doug and his family is vital 
and uh, I think we should pray for him. And we should pray for the truth to come out. And if anybody was truly, you know, directly involved with this, um, may the Lord find him and bring him to justice. So let's pray. Lord, um, thank you for my cat that came in to interrupt the show. <laughs> anyway, thank you also, Lord, for this uh, time that we have together. And I just want to pray for the Hagmans, uh, the whole family, Lord, that Joe left behind uh, an unborn baby, Lord, that now his widow has to take care of herself. Uh, Father Doug and his wife are grieving and the whole family, everybody's grieving, Lord, the loss of, of Joe. And we don't know, Lord, the, the complete truth. We know that only you do. And so I just want to ask, Father, that you would allow um, the truth to come out. That whoever was involved in this, Father, you would allow the investigators and that just things would be able to fall into place, that they would be able to see what happened. Um, Father, because if there was foul play, um, then we know, Father, that that only you're the one that can bring them to justice. And so we do pray for that. We pray for your comfort uh, for the family. And we ask, Lord, um, even for my listener, for his son, too, that you would uh, help him, help his son to to get the help that he needs and to be able to overcome his drug addiction as well. And um, we just commit this to you in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. You, you better? You better? You better, right? Okay. Cat is doing well, people. All right. So, yeah, you know, it's... Uh, drug addiction is difficult. You know, I spent... If you're new to the show, you don't know me, <laughs> then I will just say that, you know, I have a background as a therapist, and part of my background included... Um, I worked for three years in a transitional living home for women who were victims of domestic violence, who, who were on the street and also who were drug addicts. And, um, I can tell you what, <laughs> that those three years of my internship, uh, changed how I see people. And, um, if you don't think that, that people can't find a way to get a drug if they need it. You would be wrong. I can tell you what, these ladies, they pulled the wool over my eyes so many times because I was so naive to it. And yet over time, you know, I, I began to go, oh, now I get it. <laughs> you, know, you know, in fact, there was, a, there was one time where I had, uh, I was sitting there, I was doing a, a support group with these women and, and uh, the women were talking about how they had all gone out to, to lunch and then what they did in order to figure out how to get the drugs there in the actual house because they, they actually had to go through drug testing weekly, you know, and if they found drugs in their urine, then they were basically kicked out of the program until they got clean again. Uh, so yeah. So Dr. John, who is a psychologist, he says it's a complex bio, uh, psycho, social, spiritual disorder. Um, it is because you, though God would fix it. Okay, I don't know what that means. You thought God would fix it? Okay, I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, I mean, there's so many complexities to it, you know. There are complete complexities to it. And I will say that for me, um, you know, I've never done drugs as far as, like, alcohol. I don't drink. Um, I don't, I've never done any hard drug or anything, you know. But 
I was on medication that they, for depression, that they claimed was not addictive. And it wasn't until I tried to get off that crap that I found how actually addicted to it I was. And it took me years to get off it because every time I was going through withdrawal, which they won't tell you that's what it is, I had these rages of like anger and stuff like that. And it took years for me to get off that stuff because it, I had to get to a place where I could get through that chemical withdrawal, even though they claim that you're not addicted to it. So, or dependent on it. So anyway, so I'm a huge advocate for all natural therapies, just so you know, if, if at all possible, you know, um, just as an example, if you're somebody who deals with anxiety, you know, on a severe um, basis, you know, one of the things that I would recommend, and I'm not a doctor, but I will tell you, I heard this from a doctor, take magnesium, take magnesium supplement. That will naturally help calm your body down, um, but you won't get addicted to it because it's something your body needs, but it will actually help you. Um, or you can use essential oil like lavender oil, and that will actually help you as well calm down without the side effects. Um, in fact, um, uh, lorazepam and Ativan have actually been in double bind studies with lavender essential oil and the efficacy of, of, of lavender is actually equals these other hard drugs. So, you know, and it smells good. Of course, the bummer part about lavender is if you're allergic to it, well, then in that case, don't use it. But just saying, there are natural alternatives out there that you can use to help you with that stuff. Depression, the number one cure for depression is walking. It's exercise. Because once you're moving, you know, you get that serotonin uptake in your brain, you know, and all that. And then, of course, if you are eating too much sugar, I would monitor sugar in your diet and find out if you have too much. Because sugar will also cause depression and it'll make you feel like crap if you eat too much of it. So most of us don't have enough magnesium, says Beth. Certain natural foods will help calm anxiety. That's right, Melanie. Totally. It, it really will. I mean, our food is a natural medicine, but it's difficult to eat perfect. <laughs> At least it is for me, people. Uh, just so you know. So anyway. All right. So, um... All right, so let me let me go ahead and talk about um, another article. This one, Randall, is on One News Now. It's called Unashamed? Um, and this is kind of this kind of ties in a little bit with uh, this situation here with. With Christians, how many of you, and I'm just curious, and you can put a, I don't know, put a, put a two. How many of you have ever gone to church and assumed that, like, whoever you're talking to is also a believer? Put a two. <laughs> or how many of you, like, if you've ever been in a church gathering and, uh, you know, with a Christian, you actually thought that, that, um, you know, you could talk about the Bible and stuff, but then... All of a sudden, somebody in that group was like, ah, what are you talking about that for? Just curious. Okay, Sean gives me a two. 
And and Beth does, Melanie does. Okay. Okay, good. All right, so I want to read this article uh, from One News Now. It's called Unashamed. The latest research shows that Christians aren't always making their identity in Christ known to others. Denise says too as well. This was revealed in the LifeWay Research Discipleship Study of 2,500 Protestant churchgoers. Executive Director Scott McConnell says it manifests in people's relationship with other Christians as spiritual matters are sometimes not coming up in their conversations. Those relationships at church that really should be built around our identity in Christ really seem to be lacking that very thing that should be uniting us, he explains. This is paving the way for assumptions to be made. When you're with other Christians, especially at church, there's the kind of assumption that, hey, we're all on the same page and we're all doing okay spiritually. And then we're with non-Christians. Increasingly, there's a kind of assumption that you're not a Christian, and sometimes it can be awkward to let people know that you are a Christian. According to the study, one of the five uh, churchgoers, one out of five churchgoers indicates that many people who know them are not aware they are a Christian. But as McConnell points out, God is clear in his word that believers are to identify in him. <coughs> and, excuse me, I find this interesting. Um, because, okay, so 20% of people basically are saying that That they don't, well, what was it? Wait, hold on a minute. What was it? 20, 20%? Well, okay. Oh, okay. 20% of believers say that people don't know that they're a believer. There you go. Okay. So the question is, how many people know you're a believer, huh? I can tell, I can tell you pretty much everybody knows I'm a believer because Bible News Radio. What do you do? I host Bible News Radio. Oh, well, how cool is that? Is it now? Do you really think it's cool? Do you even know what I talk about on Bible News Radio? <laughs> I have more of my friends watching the show than I think sometimes. <laughs> they'll come up to me and they'll say, I heard your show the other day. And I'm like, uh-oh, did I talk about you on the show? <laughs> Just curious. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, you know, it, it's so sad that that 20% of Christians basically are unashamed question mark i don't bareface you you want to say something about this but i think more concerning is what he talks about the other dynamic we attend a congregation with other people and we just assume we're all on the same page right nothing spiritual ever comes up and well at least you know uh well he didn't give a, a statistic on that but i can yeah. you know i can say from you know fellowship and a congregation how when's the last time someone asked you oh what are you reading the word you know uh lately or you know what came things kind of be praying for you you know i attend a sunday school class which is good you know we start out with prayer requests and that sort of thing there's a, a place for discussion so well not always but a lot of times if you're in a sunday school class you know it's clear uh, but not always. It can be a larger class where you know, people don't interact at all. Anyway, but there's just that dynamic where because we don't often talk about spiritual things within the gathering of believers, the congregation of believers, there's just this assumption that everybody's on the same page. And there could be non-believers there. I mean, going back to Jude, you know, they they 
you know, the, the not only unbelievers, but, you know, um, evildoers, you know, with malicious intent crept in unnoticed. And, and I mean, it was even a problem then, and we've seen over the centuries. And so I think there's an admonition for us there to, if nowhere else, <laughs> within the congregation, which is supposed to be a congregation of believers, let us talk about spiritual things. You know, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, hymns and spiritual, spiritual songs, songs. <laughs> and yeah. you know that because if if the if the congregation is not secure and you know it's spiritual health, then then forget the the witness outside. If 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 the congregation is full of unbelievers, then. You know, uh, the witness to the outside is, I think, of a, a lesser uh, priority. Yeah. You know, we need to be in a place where we're encouraging one another to love and good works and all that kind of stuff. Amen. Amen, Brother Randall. Well, thank you, Sister Stacy. <laughs> Brother Bareface. <laughs> so much. Yeah. Well, I I have um, you know, I basically. Try not to judge people. <laughs> I mean, I try not to judge somebody's Christianity because it's frank. Well, I, I mean, biblically, it is my business. But at the same time, I, I, I automatically don't assume people are really believers in the first place. That's just me. It, and how I know generally, if I can talk to somebody who says they're a Christian, is if I can bring up God's word and talk about the Bible with them and they don't get all offended or change the subject or something, you know, then I'm like, hmm, okay, so there's some spiritual interest. I remember uh, years ago I went to the vineyard and um, was it the vineyard or was it some other church? I don't remember. Anyway, all the years are piling together, people, now that I'm 50. <laughs> It's hard to keep track of when you get to be your age, you know, it's just, yeah. there's so much in your mind. It all starts to get all jumbled up. So. No, but Things I remember, start to drop out. And... I forgot who it was, but whoever it was said, like, if you go to church and then you go out to lunch with people after church and you can't, and you ask to talk about the sermon and they can't talk to you even about the sermon, then you need a new church. Or you need new friends because right. me and you would do that all yeah. the time, and it'd be like we crickets. could we could or we could hold the conversation about the sermon we just heard for a minute, right? Hmm. And then they people would be more interested in talking about Big Brother or yeah. American Idol pop culture or, some, or whatever, something stupid like that. Um, and uh, you do assume people at church are believers. I actually don't really. I don't. Well, um, I think it's a danger to assume that they are. Well, I mean, I don't, I just assume that most people, I mean, they're there, but I don't know if they're really believers or not. I mean, I, you can tell who real believers are, generally speaking. I mean, I can, generally speaking. If people, like, most of the people that tune into this show are real believers. Right. Not because I'm a real believer, but because when we're teaching the God's word and people stay for a whole show or two hours and they sit around listening to us talk about stuff, it's like <laughs> God's giving you the gift of patience, people. That's for sure. Yeah, he has. <laughs> but I do get concerned. I mean, I know people, you know, who, um, you know, who are, um, 
they say they're a believer, but it's like there's is there really any evidence in it? So that's a good question then. What's the what is the evidence of a believer? You know? I mean, really, what is it? That's the question. I expect the majority of people there to be believers. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. The article doesn't say Christians. It said churchgoers. That's who they, 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 uh, um, you know, surveyed was churchgoers, which yeah, but there's the a last... difference between me being a churchgoer and a Christian. True, but in the last paragraph, says, according to the study, one out of five churchgoers indicates that many people who know them are not aware that they are Christian. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it makes sense. You know, as a, as a member of the Gideons International, yes. uh, over time, you know, we as we give presentations uh, in churches, uh, we've been when referring to the organization a long time ago. We used to say that Gideons International is an association of Christian business and professional men. Uh, but we've been encouraged in more recent years to say born again, Christian to, to differentiate between all those, you know, other folks and, and even cults out there that identify themselves as Christian. Cause it doesn't mean the same as it used to. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So let me ask this. Do you think that there is a tie in between church giving and real believers versus churchgoers. Here's an article. This one's also on onenewsnow.com. This article is titled, The Annual Wrap on Individuals' Contributions to Their Church. This was published June 26th. Last year was a complex year for charitable giving, according to an organization that monitors Americans' activity in that arena, and the church wasn't immune to its effects. The Giving USA report for 2018 released last week shows that charitable giving by cor corporations, foundations, and people amounted to almost $428 billion, but individual giving declined 1.1%, ending a four-year run of increases and in reflecting the largest decline since 2009. Rick Dudham, chairman of the Giving USA Foundation, tells One News Now that the study also took a look at the church, which is perennially... Perennially. 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 <laughs> it's not easy to say, people. Uh, the largest sector in giving. The giving to religion section looks at giving to houses of worship, denominational headquarters, and Christian radio and television, he explains. That actually declined last year to $124.52 billion. It normally has represented around 30 to 31%. It declined to 29% this past year. Uh, that's in spite of the fact that overall the economy was relatively strong. GDP grew by 5.2%. Personal disposable income increased by about 5%. And the IRS tax deduction increased. Some of the studies that I've seen show a couple of different things. Dunham shares. One is mainline denominations have continued to drop in attendance. That makes sense. And we've also seen some of the fractures within some of those traditional denominations. But some other reports I've seen indicate that independent churches, larger churches, have been actually growing in income. He also told the Associated Press that the IRS policy change that doubled the standard deduction likely resulted in fewer households itemizing deductions, thereby reducing an incentive for charitable giving. 
Dunham suggests that churches provide their congregants the opportunity for a simple online giving experience because that's what trending, that's what's trending among consumers. So very interesting, huh? Um, yeah, wow. So people give to the billions and billions and billions and billions. But I will say, at least for this show, giving did drop last year as well. I can tell you that. Uh, so that's... Um... An indicator, yeah. So it, our audience has gotten smaller, yeah. It has, yeah. So it's kind of <laughs> I don't know what it's an indicator of. We actually, but, but, no, it, but it's is, in step with, we, with the article that you we just actually have more people read. giving to us, but it's less money. So, but well, okay, how do I say this? We have more, okay, we have a handful literally carefully, of pe people that judiciously. Give, well, we have a handful, literally, of people who donate every month, but we've had more people give, not cause, not monthly, but like more people have actually given to us, but it's, but it results in less money, if that make any sense. Which is a good segue, people, into thanking our sponsor, Ariel Ministries, which, you know, you can save 20% when you use the coupon code Bible News right there on the, on the screen, you guys. Did we bring the book up? Uh, no, we didn't oh, bring the book bring up. up. Okay, anyway. I can find it online, though. Okay. Yeah, so the um, Israelology, the Missing Link and Systematic Theology, the actual abridged version of that book is out, and you can now save 20% on that book with the coupon code BIBLENEWS when you, uh, when you actually go to ariel.org. And actually, you can actually, actually, actually save 20% on anything. <laughs> that you actually buy in the store. And you know what, wasn't it? <laughs> you wanna hear something funny? I was reading, uh, I was watching an interview I did last August with Vicki Fitch a couple of days ago, Randall. And do you know what I noticed about that interview? I, I used the word actually a lot in that interview. <laughs> did you actually do that? I actually did. <laughs> so, yeah, I did. Today's word of the day is actually brought to you by the word actually. Actually it is. Okay, so there it is. That's the that's the thing we're talking about. It's called What the Bible Teaches About Israel, Past, Present, and Future, and a bridge version of Israelology, the Missing Link in Systematic Theology by Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum. Uh, that's a good book. Yes. It's a big book, but it's a good book. Um, and why is it important yes, to under very, understand very the I, role of Israel? People, Randall I, will tell you. Yeah, I will. will. Yeah, you will. Why? Why is Israel important to people? Well, I've often, uh, I've often been. Whoops. What? That that's not right. Yeah, that is. Um, it's actually right. Um. Anyway, what I've been asking and why? How do I believe the Bible is true or what? And I say, well, one word, Yisrael. Um, that's right. There is no other nation under the sun in human history mm -hmm. that has uh, been the subject of more prophecy yep. and and the and the fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, the whole Bible is a Jewish book by you know it's by Jewish authors. It's not all about uh, just uh, the people of Israel, but it is by Jewish authors, and that is the focal point. Of, of the book in terms of his nation, but name one other nation on earth that has existed in millennia past and what was prophesied of it as far as its fall and dispersion and going away 
and coming back into the historical boundaries uh, with an identifiable, you know, ethnicity, uh, an identifiable language, uh, in the same same religion, you know, as as millennia previous, and. We've interviewed a number of people on the show, various aspects, looking at the miraculous nature of Yisrael from, uh, you know, from Yisrael rising where all the things prophesied uh, in Ezekiel and others, how the land would yield again its fruit and, uh, you know, be again uh, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that was desolate for centuries and other people tried to farm and whatnot and then just wasn't anything. Uh, you know, we look at this uh, conflict in the Middle East and, you know, how Israel is the focal point of so many things in politics and dividing the land and everybody, oh, they shouldn't have this land. Where was, try to find this sort of conflict 400 years ago, you know, 150 years ago, you know, you know even 100 years ago. Nobody gave a rep because it was a wasteland, pretty much. People went through it, no matter, it wasn't much happening there but in 1948 when the land was you know when the nation was restored to the land the nation israel and hard fought that even though it was a declaration uh by the british government primarily at that time uh, there you know they still had to fight to hold the ground right anyway the um uh just just the way the land began to be fruitful and all that for only them. And there's so many things. Anyway, so looking at Israel, it's, it's, it's past, present, and future, uh, given that we've got, it, Bible kind of begins with that nation and then all about prophesying the, the Jewish Messiah, you know, Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, you know, uh, coming to the land of Israel and uh, revealing who God is and then his his return and that based upon um, Israel re accepting Yeshua as their Messiah, not all ethnically Israel, but the Israel of God, which isn't a denomination or a church, by the way, or, right. or anyway. Anyway, so understanding Israel, its past, its present, and its future is extremely important to understanding the plans of God, because it's through that lens. I think in Romans, you know, Paul asked the question, it seems rhetorical at first, he says, what advantage then is being a Jew? His answer is much in every way, because to right. them were committed the oracles of God. And, and that's an important thing, the oracles of God, what, you know, from the mouth of God, past, present, and future, uh, is has been delivered through the nation of Israel, the Messiah and what's to come. And so understanding Israel is understanding God's plan, past, present, and future. Amen, handsome, hunky husband. Well, thank you. Okay, so I I'm not short-winded, but hey. I just sent you the uh, two things in Messenger. You did? Yeah, I did. Well, let me go look at them, okay? <laughs> okay, and I want you to put those on the screen if you can. Because you are a super awesome, not only handsome, hunky producer, but you know what you're doing. Uh, so, um, so speaking of Ariel Ministries, you guys can buy stuff from them and and thank them tremendously for sponsoring our show. 
uh, we are very blessed that they have done that. Um, and for and for producing solid biblical material. Yes. If that doesn't tell you what type of show we are, that somebody with that solid theological background would support us, then just saying. Um, also, though, I want to thank all of you for supporting our show, those of you that do, um, with your contributions, which are very much appreciated. Um, you know, so many of you, you have blessed us in so many ways. And, you know, one of the things that I want to let you know is that we have just produced a Bible News Radio logo crayon. And I want to show these to you. There they are. Check that out, people. I, I, you probably can't see it that close. But those are my logo colors. And then we also Oops. have... Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Look at the Facebook page. Quick, take it mm-hmm. off. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's... Nothing inappropriate was there. Don't worry. I just wanted to see if I could make it larger. But when I clicked on the window... It... All right. Yeah. Okay. So these are these are logo crayons. If you guys want any of these, we haven't gotten them up on the website, but we'll take special orders for them if you're interested in you know getting a Bible News Radio uh, specialty crayon, just you know as a token, just as something to to donate to us that we could give give back to you. Um, you know, just let us know. And then here's some other. Other kinds. Shannon, you know Shannon that I had from the Crayon Creative Crayons Workshop. Shannon is the one. Shannon is the one that did this for for me. We 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 paid to get the mold done. Uh, of course, we didn't use the whole logo because it would be too big for the crayon. But I think they're kind of cool, um, and they're crayons. You know, you can actually color with them. Uh, we just used the bottom part with the 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 cross and the Bible and all that. They're kind of cool, huh? And, and they are actually, here, I'll show you. I know I used the word actually, darn it. I'll show you how big they really are because they're the same size as this crayon that I have here. And here is, again, my palm, palm of my hand. Of course, I have a little hand, people. I'm only 5'4", but that's how big it is. So... Off to sleepy time, my friends. Long day tomorrow. Love and hugs. Okay, Denise. Good night, hon. I love you. Just so you know. Denise is super cool. Anyway, okay. Um, so, yeah. So, if you want a Bible News Radio crayon, then um, let us know. It might be better. You know, we might set up a thing. Like, if you donate 25 bucks or something, we'll send you a set of four or something like that if you want to do that. So... You just color with a round crayon the way you do. It's really more for, you know, logo purposes. So, anyway. Yeah, so like a package of four. You know, you can get like that. We'll do multicolors or whatever. So, anyway. So, I want to say thank you for that. Uh, supporting our show. Of course, you can go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. And, um, and also, don't forget the, what's that other website? Give, give was, send go give send go.com forward slash bible news radio uh you can give over there too if you want yeah it's there on the uh in the ticker it just went by okay. no no that was the regular one anyway okay it is what it is also i gotta tell you guys today i found out that i am now a senior manager officially with legal shield uh, and I want to say thank you to everybody who made that possible. So many of you are my customers uh, who who have Legal Shield. 
you bought it to protect yourself and get a will done uh, and or identity theft protection. And today I got news this morning that that we crossed into the senior manager. It took me a year to get there, you guys. So this is no small feat. <laughs> so that senior, is that anything to do with time or age or just? Well, it, it really has to do with, okay, so you start as an associate, then you get senior associate, then you become a manager, and then you jump to senior manager. And, and how then, does that happen? And after that, you go to director, then senior director, and then executive director. Just by longevity? Just by? No, you do it in... by making sales. <laughs> you, have, you have to sell a certain amount. Uh, but generally, when you get a senior manager, you have three senior associates that when their sales, when they're selling stuff, you get bumped up to manage, to senior manager, their sales help you. I actually didn't have that in my case. I saw all my sales, all my sales are the ones that got me to that level. And, you know, that's because you guys uh, were so gracious to buy your product through me and help get me to that level. So I want to say thank you for that because it's a big deal. That's halfway through the compensation. We did it in about a year. And uh, um, yeah, so just so just want to say thanks. And if you are um, interested in becoming an associate and learning more about how you can become an associate and make some money, um, I am looking for some go-getters that are actually going to go out there and do the work and, you know, make yourself some money because Legal Shield right now has just ramped it up and actually made it like they cut the requirement. When I, when I first joined, I had to sell twice as much in order to advance as they do now. I mean, it's crazy. They have literally cut it in half. They've cut Performance Club in half. So you don't even have to do as much in order to advance. Uh, people are advancing to, I, I read today that in, in one of my other friends groups, somebody signed on, they became an associate and now they're already a manager. So they already advanced to senior manager and manager within 45 days. I didn't even do, do that. I think I did it in 90 days, but it takes quite a bit of sales to get from manager to senior manager. So anyway, so if you know anybody who is interested in lo learning how to do this and and, and they have a network or they're they're going to go out locally or kind of try to learn stuff online, let me know. I'd love to add somebody to my team. I added a new associate last week and it was super cool. I loved it. It was awesome. Um, looking forward to watching them prosper. And any of you who are currently associates, looking forward to you guys prospering because they've made it easy. Uh, but it takes work. It takes work and diligence to, 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 to do it. Uh, it's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of work, people. But I'm really happy that I advanced today. So that's super cool. And I also have to tell you that um, that I read this article uh, over on fox26medford.com titled Josephine County Citizens Lose Over $150,000 to Scams and Identity Theft. And that was just last month. That was last month in this one county. Listen to this. It says here, citizens of Josephine County reportedly lost over $150,000 to phone scams and identity theft during the month of June. Uh, it says here, the following scams were the most common. Computer hackers representing Microsoft, which include intimidating demands for money or payment in the form of Google Pay, pay Play cards to repair the computer. Hackers then take over control 
of personal computers to gain banking and personal identity information. Phone calls impersonating the Social Security Administration demanding payment in the form of Google Play cards. Phone calls impersonating law enforcement about an injured family member in the hospital or in need of bail money also demanding payment in the form of Google Play cards. Verizon accounts open fraudulently with cell phone orders shipping to alternate addresses. Yeah. So just so you know, people, that uh, if somebody calls you and they're demanding payment in the form of a Google Play card, most likely it's not real, just so you know. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to straighten out payments within a government agency to begin with. You know, the IRS doesn't take credit cards. Yeah, you know, it has to be a check. Um, uh, and so to think that somehow the Social Security Administration that can't fix somebody's gender for a mistake that <laughs> somehow they have the Gee, I wonder where that happened. They have the savvy to uh, receive payment in Google Play cards. Yeah, uh, but. But the Verizon thing—that's a—that's a real thing. That was—I forget what state it was, but it there, there was the, there was uh, where the. Um, anyway, there's an article you covered several years ago, or maybe you actually did get, didn't get around to coming on air. But yeah, with um, it took some inside jobs, but um, people knew the Verizon users. Yeah, opening up new accounts for new phones, having shipped to somewhere else, and. And then, and all of a sudden, people, they get a bill in the mail uh, for, you know, a new phone on their line or whatever. Yeah. Well, I, I um, just bring up the identity theft thing because our new product with ID Shield is we, we have three bureau monitoring. One of the things that you're going to hear, it, and, and I actually read an article earlier about this. I was going to share it, but I thought, eh, I'll just tell you what was in it. So some people are asking the question, is identity theft protection necessary? Is it worth it? Is it worth paying the money to get your identity protected? And some people will go, well, no, not really, because you can go ahead and you can freeze your credit on the three bureaus. Okay. And it's true. You can. You can freeze your credit. But that doesn't necessarily matter. You can, even though your credit is frozen, it doesn't mean that somebody still can't steal your identity. And so like with our, our service, which is number one, by the way, um, not only do we monitor your credit, your credit cards and bank stuff, but we monitor everything else too. Your social security, your mom's maiden name, users and passwords, your social media. Um, and, and you know, somebody raised the point a couple of days ago about social media. How many of you know people how many of you have friends that have children who are on social media i do i have a lot of friends on social media that have kids on social media well with our service you get instagram twitter linkedin and facebook monitored and they once you you connect that you can connect your kids accounts to that and if you see anything appropriate coming through on those accounts guess what you will you'll be notified that day or the next day about it and you can stay right on top of that and make sure that your kid is you know not being harassed or or anything and that's a that's a huge selling point because there's a lot of predators out there you know and one of the new things that um we monitor 
also is the sex offender database is actually now included in your identity theft, um, the th you know, thing. In fact, one of my um, new members I just upgraded found like a ton. They sent me their picture. They're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea there was this many. And she has two little children. I was like, glad you got it. That way, you know, you know, of course here in my area, there's 35 and I live in a little town. And fortunately I'm going through, I'm like, thank God I don't know any of these people, <laughs> you know, but you know, but it monitors way more than just your credit card and your bank, your bank. That's the point. And so is it worth it? Yes. Kim Commando agrees that it's worth it. Other people, uh, investigators, former con artists I've seen actually get on the computer, on the internet, do interviews, say, yes, get it. Get your identity monitored. Get that stuff monitored. Get it in there where you can watch it. The great thing about us is that you have it right there in the palm of your hand. Once you put it in your thing, it's in your app. You can go in, log in every single day. You don't have to wait, you know, once a month. You don't have to go and get your, your credit report and print it out like three times a year or whatever from each bureau. It's right there for you. And your credit score is right there. You can always see it. So um, I recommend it. And it's not that expensive. It's 15 bucks for an individual to get the three bureau monitoring a month. What's $15, you guys? It's nothing. Most of you go out to dinner and you pay way more than that for a dinner. You know? Or... <laughs> You know, I mean, it's just, it's just not, it's not a lot of money to protect yourself. Um, and you get a $1 million protection policy with that membership, by the way. So I don't know about you, but to me, it's worth it to monitor it. So if you want to know more, just let me know and I can tell you more later. Okay. All right. Now let's just switch topics just for a minute because um, there's an article also on One News Now titled Trump Dumping Obama Transgender Shelter Rule to Protect Women and Girls. And I got to thank my friend Gordon Klingenschmidt for sending this to me in email today. Uh, it says here, President Donald Trump is fixing a problematic transgender rule devised and implemented under former President Barack Obama that forwarded the LGBT agenda while putting battered women and girls in shelters at risk of being sexually assaulted by male predators claiming to be female. It would eliminate an Obama administration rule in 2016 requiring that shelters allow people to, to enter based on their gender identity, WorldNet Daily reported. The Obama rule turned shelters for the homeless and for abused women into a battleground for the transgender rights agenda. Putting women and kids' safety above an agenda is what this is about. Under the Trump administration's Department of Housing and Urban Development, led by Secretary Ben Carson, it should be Secretary Dr. Ben Carson. <laughs> he is a doctor. He just happens to be a guy that I interviewed, but he's also a guy that happens to be like one of the only people in the world who did a brain surgery, like, you know, disconnecting con conjoined twins at the brain. I mean, you know, he's not Ben Carson. Whoever wrote that should be ashamed of themselves for not putting doctor in there. But anyway. Led by, doc, by Secretary Dr. Ben Carson, a proposed rule is now under consideration to fix the problem left by the Obama administration that continues to leave vulnerable homeless women and children in shelters endangered by male sexual predators masquerading as women. It would protect vulnerable women and children by letting federally funded shelters consider uh, a range of factors such as biological sex in, in deciding whether to provide lodging to certain people. 
WorldNet Daily informed. The rule is set to take effect next month. Okay, and that's all I'm going to read to that. You can read the rest on your own time. But that is good news, in my opinion. And in bad news, here we go, another article on bad news. This is referring to Joe Biden, our former vice president, under the Obama administration. LifeSite News is reporting Biden names pro-LGBT, quote, Equality Act as top priority if elected. Well, I can already tell you people that if Joe Biden um, runs, he isn't going to win. I mean, seriously? They said that about Trump. Well, Joe Biden isn't going to win. First of all, he didn't run against Trump. I know. So, you know, and generally speaking, think about it. Usually the vice president of the former president usually jumps in and, and runs for president. Joe Biden didn't do that. I'm just saying never say never. I don't want him to win. He's not but... going to win. Actually, the people say that the woman is going to win. If the, the the woman, I forgot her name, but the big woman out there that, that everybody's talking about, they're saying that she's going to be the Democratic nominee. And she's going to run against Trump. And then what oh. they're going to do is they're going to try to divide the women and the men because Trump is such a horrible, rotten person to women, then everybody will go over and they'll vote for this woman. Well, in the 55 years that I've been on this planet and um, not politically aware for several of them, but for a number of decades, what I've seen is kind of in American politics, at least when it comes to elections, there's this people swing, this pendulum swing from right to left, right to left, never goes center. It's like, let's try this for a while. No, and the reaction to that is to go the other way. And I see that happening right now with the with the democratic party with trump in office they're like you know their reaction is they're coming out as you know very far left you know talking about free college and you know free health care for illegal aliens and you know they're all affirming this and this is all great stuff so i don't know if, if voters do that pendulum swing and say oh yeah the the far left sounds great to us now right the, the Trump is hardly far right. Anyway, back to you. <laughs> back to me. Okay, so basically, um, it says here, uh, passing the radical pro-LGBT and pro-abortion equality act will be the first thing I ask to be done if elected President Joe Biden said at the annual Human Rights Campaign Gala Saturday. The former vice president who endorsed same-sex, quote, marriage, unquote, in 2012 told hundreds of activists at the gala in Columbus, Ohio, that President Donald Trump's administration is, quote, immoral, unquote, with regard to the homosexual agenda. It's wrong and it's immoral what they're doing, Biden said. Just like racial justice and women's rights, we are seeing pushback against all the progress we've made toward equality. Biden claimed that the Trump administration seeks to allow homeless shelters to bar transgenders from accommodation and prohibit transgender troops in the U.S. military. Has he lost his mind? Okay, anyway, I don't have to read the rest of this. But just so you know, Joe Biden is out there on the front lines now promoting even more homosexual stuff that most people don't want. So, just so you know. There you go. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and look here at comments and see if there's any comments that came in while I was reading stuff. So, let's see here. 
Thank you for congratulating me. The crayons look the crayons look interesting. Price point. Um, well, yeah, the crayons would be a donation for twenty five bucks or more, and you get a little set of those. So let's see. How much are the crayons? How about a Star of David? Well, if you wanted a Star of David, you would have to, it would be $40 for you to do the mold, Annie, and then we could get it done because you need you have to have the mold made first, just so you know, okay? Um, so congratulations, you're awesome. Great job, says Tracy. Uh, Melanie will tell them to let your attorney handle it. Well, they might not necessarily be able to handle it. Melanie, you have to make sure that they follow within the Legal Shield guidelines, <laughs> just so you know. All right, so I have a question for you guys. What do you think of this late night show? Do you, you like us on this late at night? Because it's kind of funny. Last night, Randall and I were like, I'm like going, okay, we just ended our show at 10 o'clock p.m. Like, and now we're supposed to go to bed because it's like right. really late. But it took a while to kind of wind down for us. Kind of like, okay. Yeah, when, it was, when we were doing it in the afternoon, four in the afternoon, five o'clock comes around. It's like, wow, I'm tired. I'm ready for a nap. And we start doing it at night. And then it's like, takes a while to wind down. I don't know why. It's later in the day. I don't truly understand the dynamic. But Well, for me, my eyes are more tired at night. So... You know, it looks like my eyes are tired. It's because they are. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Okay. They usually hang up after. Who usually hangs up after? I don't know. I don't know what. What that means. What or who, mean who the, they are hanging up. Oh, okay. So if you tell, oh. Or maybe going back okay, to so, the So Melanie is saying that, yeah. So scammers call her. And you say you'll tell your lawyer, and then they usually hang up. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We got it. Yeah. We yeah. Did. Let me let me bring my lawyer into this call. Well, yeah, just the threat of a lawyer. I like um, it because it's a good time for me, but I could do earlier. Hey, that and that's that's kind of a good test to see if legit. You know, if someone's calling. You're not sure. Say, is it okay if I bring my attorney on the line? Yeah. And then you know. If they say no, then, well, you know. Yeah. Well, then we're not going to continue this conversation. Mm -hmm. All right. So tomorrow is Sunday. Yeah, it is. Oops. Mm -hmm. Ouch. <laughs> Unless you're Beth, then it's Monday. Right. But uh, it's Sunday where Beth is. What time is it where you're at, Beth? I, I don't think I caught that when you put it earlier, if you did. Um, yeah. So we're, we'll be on after church at 8 o'clock. And and this is why, see you guys, the reason we're doing this at 8 is because of Juana. Because I volunteer and help the children people. Yeah, I do. I believe in helping kill kids. Yep, because I believe that's how we're going to make America great again. It's by building little children disciples that love God's word. And, you know, teaching them. They actually teach you a lot of stuff. All of you were children once. Yeah, you were. Um... Okay, so I got one more article, and then I think that will give us just enough time to close this down at 9.30. Okay, 11.53. Okay, so, so for you, it'll end at, at, at noon, just in time for lunch. Okay, so new social media commandments challenge users to act more like Jesus online. Uh, this is from CBN's website. 
Anyone who's been on any social media network for any length of time knows it can be a depressing place filled with bullies and naysayers eager to attacking, often typing away behind the crunch of crutch of anonymity. The Church of England, however, is hoping to trim the rough edges off of your Twitter and Facebook feeds. Good luck with that. <laughs> Bad behavior on social media shouldn't be that much of a surprise, really. Wherever there are people, there will be sin. That's just the reality of our fallen world. But when we actively choose to make good decisions, either as a result of salvation found in the gospel or because God's general revelation available to all, we can find, as the church's guidelines describe, many joys in one another, even online. Justin Welby, Archbishop of Canterbury, unveiled new guidelines during a visit over the weekend to Facebook's headquarters in the United Kingdom, according to a press release. From the church. Yeah, he did. Okay, social media has transformed the way we live our lives. Yes, has. As Christians, we are called to engage in a way which is shaped by the example of Jesus. Indeed. As we respond to the call on each of us to be witnesses to Jesus Christ, I encourage all of us to consider how we live our lives as witnesses online, he continued. Each time we interact online, we have the opportunity either to add to currents of cynicism and abuse, or to choose instead to share light and grace. Every day we are faced with binary decisions, whether to take a stand or to hold our tongues. Okay, I think that's supposed to be or, not our. Yeah. <laughs> to hold our tongues, to speak life or to speak death over a situation. We make these choices, those choices, we make those choices throughout the day during our in-person interactions. Why should we act any differently online? Well, because it's easier to be mean online. Come on, man. It's so much easier. The reason is because so often on the internet, we believe we're not accountable for our words. But in Matthew 12, 36, Jesus said, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. And in the verses immediately preceding that passage, Jesus explained that, just as a tree's healthiness is identified by the fruit it bears, so is a person's spiritual standing made clear by the words they speak or by the actions they take. Words they speak, huh? That's what it said. I know. It's, that's say that. <laughs> Whoever their proofreader is on this article. There wasn't one. <laughs> this makes my job difficult, people. Yeah, it does. Anyway, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, Jesus said. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. With those principles in mind, Welby is asking people to sign a voluntary digital charter, a pledge to act in alignment with scripture on social media. <laughs> so it's so sad that you have to do that. The charter outlines ways to make the digital world as loving and generous as we would when speaking face-to-face. -face. It encourages signers to promote truth, kindness, welcome, inspiration, and togetherness during their interactions on social media. As for the actual guidelines, the church offers nine rules. Be safe. Be respectful. Be kind. Be honest. Take responsibility. Be a good ambassador. Disagree well. Create, credit others. And follow the rules, people. That's five. Yeah, it is. Nine, I mean. It's nine. It's late. Sorry. <laughs> My prayer is that through these guidelines and charter, we can encourage regular and not-so-regular churchgoers, skeptics, and those who are surprised to find themselves interested to be open to think and experience more of the Christian faith. Well, he said. Yes. He did. Yep. Well, you know, hey, it's super easy to want to punch somebody out online, isn't it? 
Uh, I have been cussed out by Christians online. I have <laughs> almost gotten 50, 50 cuffs with somebody today at Pickleball. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Not really. There was a tense moment, though. Just saying. But, yeah, we got to be careful how we do stuff online. Even shopping, you know. I will say that, like, shopping online, it is so easy to be an impulse shopper online. So I've made a new rule that unless I really need something, I will leave it in my cart. I'll go shopping online, I'll leave it in the cart, and then I'll leave it for, like, a day. And then if after 24 hours goes by, I go back into the cart and I'm, like, still feeling like I need to get it, then I will. Otherwise, I most likely won't. This is like that urge to buy a sale item, you know. <laughs> anyway, all right. So anybody have any closing thoughts, comments, questions, concerns for the last couple of minutes? So just let us know. It's fun to block haters online, says Melanie Wiser. All right. Hey, Don. Let's say hi to some new people that came in. So Danielle is here. Thank you for coming in. Don is here. Uh, Tracy, Jess, Jerry, Will. I don't know if anybody else is watching. Is anybody watching on YouTube? No, we're not uh, on we're YouTube. We're not on YouTube. Okay, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, by the way, so do you want to explain why we're not on YouTube? Because of this weird technical thingy going on? I can do that. Just do it really fast, though, because then we'll end on time. Yeah, because our bandwidth is limited here, we use a uh, restreaming service where we stream to them and they multicast it out to the three platforms, Periscope, YouTube, Twitch. We could add others if we wanted to, but just doing the three for now. And for whatever reason, um, these thing. past two nights, we've been an, unable to hold a stream to the... <laughs> to the uh, multicasting service uh you know it starts out okay but then within a minute it starts to deteriorate and then the connection drops so i don't know why that is and so since we're can only really stream to one thing not that there's no way we have the bandwidth to go straight to all three without going through the multicast service um we pick periscope as the think since that's where the largest audience is usually now is there a way that we can take the video from periscope and still put it up on facebook on on, on, on youtube yes we can okay. well, youtube gonna... people are watching it right now if they've watched this long yeah you are well, the replay <laughs> all right hugs and prayers love you tracy says and we you too just so you know girlfriend all right, everybody. So that's our show for tonight. Literally, it is night. And uh, so I hope you guys on the East Coast, wait, we're on the East Coast. On the West Coast, by the way, California had two major earthquakes in the last couple of days. I haven't heard of any um, aftershocks, big ones today anyway. So I hope, I hope that you all are doing okay over there. I, for one, told Randall that I would prefer an earthquake over a tornado any day, but that's just me. Um, but I hope you guys are doing okay, and uh, and it's not quite your bedtime yet. So enjoy the rest of your evening if you're if you're on our side, if you're in the central or the mountain time zone, you're probably getting you're gonna wind down and go to bed. So I hope you sleep good, people. 
if you're on if you're in Australia like Beth is hope you have a good afternoon <laughs> if you're watching the replay whatever time it is obviously you're awake that's a good thing people and if you're in the east coast like Melanie is it's 10:30 you should be in bed already just saying all right okay people all right so hey I hope you have a good rest of your day or night or morning and always remember people be bold people stand up and go with God because he loves you yeah he does and we'll see you tomorrow night Lord willing okay <laughs>